Matt, over to you. <laughs> Thank you, Bernice, and uh, thanks, Becky, as well. Um, great to connected with you as um, you invited me. I really appreciate uh, the invitation of the church to share with you this morning. I've listened a little bit to, to last week's message and um, this whole series about influence um, is, a, is a great series actually to be a part of and um, hopefully you've been blessed as a church uh, throughout this time. I think someone's going to be um, administering the PowerPoint. I've got a few pictures to, to, to put up um, as and when. Uh, but I thought I'd just show you a picture of Rohe Pavilion Church and all its glory in the sunshine. It's a bit of a dank and foggy and horrible sort of day today weather-wise, but this is Rohe Pavilion in the summer and uh, the church that I'm uh, minister of, and uh, this is one of our outdoor services that we were able to have during um, the summer period when lockdown restrictions were eased slightly, and we've got a, a patio there. So we had an outdoor service and people sat, uh, there's one person there, it wasn't just a service for one person, there's quite a few uh, off screen, but um, it was a time to be able to gather together in the sunshine and uh, and um, we had a, a real blessed time. But that's the building, just to give you a, a physical uh, sort of insight into uh, the church and the community of which uh, I'm a part. But on this theme of influence and the three readings I share with you, I just want to um, introduce you to a couple of uh, examples of influence, knowing that you've been journeying with this theme over the last few weeks and, and, and for a couple of weeks to come. Um, but in the, the week uh, just gone, um, I don't know what you do for your devotional life, but for me, I, I began on the 1st of January this year with Lectio 365 app on my phone. It's just 10 minutes uh, of uh, quiet reflection, kind of calming music, and uh, rooted in scripture and uh, a really wonderful and helpful way to start the day, Lectio 365. And if you go on to the next screen, uh, a picture of Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks' birthday was uh, uh, celebrated this week. Rosa Parks um, uh, was born on the 4th of February 1913 and, and uh, Lectio 365 app uh, made reference to Rosa Parks's life. Um, you may have known much about Rosa Parks like I, I, I knew a bit as well, but um, on the 4th of February this week uh, they were just reflecting upon her life as a person of influence because she uh, in 1955, on the 1st of December, she politely refused to give up her seat on the bus to a white man. In, uh, the, in Montgomery, Alabama, there was a segregated section on buses during that time for white people and black people, and she sat uh, being convicted and convinced of what it means for everybody to be equal before God, sat in a place uh, which was designated for white people. And she did that as a silent and polite protest in opposition to the discrimination that she faced. And that act, simple but courageous, sparked a protest movement that changed the nation to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, and uh, so I just thought I'd show that by way of an example, Rosa Parks, a, a woman of great influence whose birthday was celebrated this past week. Also this past week, another person of great influence who you'll know about very much, uh, Captain Sir Tom Moore, who sadly passed away aged 100 on the 2nd of February. 
and uh, he his phrase tomorrow will be a good day uh, a person of great influence in the latter stages of his life as he walked around with that Zimmer frame uh, making circuits around his house so many laps and contributing 33 million pounds to the NHS and we know because we've clapped for Sir Tom Moore as many other heroes who have contributed to supporting the NHS both that work in there and also that support it but Sir Tom Moore captured the hearts and minds of the nation uh, uh, again through a simple act but one of great dedication and commitment uh, a person of great influence who said tomorrow will be a good day but whether it's rosa parks or whether it's Sir tom moore there is also the biblical character of joseph and uh, that was read to us earlier so wonderfully and uh, Bernice asked me to just raise up a little bit of a connection between influence and Joseph's life. And the passage I chose was from Genesis 40. Uh, you know probably the story of Joseph very well, uh, being that person among brothers and uh, wanting to have a, a good relationship with his father and all of that. But there were some family dynamics in Joseph's life which were not easy and yet even in the midst of family there were influences going on one to another and uh, we know that Joseph was taken as he was abused by his family and then taken away into that foreign land and to try and uh, cultivate a life in a different culture uh, he had to be a person of influence there as well but the reading we have is when he's in prison facing adversity and persecution and even in the midst of pain and suffering and of discrimination a bit like Rosa Parks Joseph was a person of influence when he was facing his own difficulties and his own tragedy he still had I don't know resilience strength the resources to ask others in a similar situation how are they? So in verse seven, with those uh, officials of Pharaoh that were also in prison with Joseph, he asked the question, why do you look so sad today? It's another way of saying what Sir Tom Moore said, tomorrow will be better, tomorrow there will be hope. But in the day, why do you look so sad? And Joseph was a person of influence asking that very question because he was striking up a conversation. He was striking up a relationship, even in adversity. Reaching out to the other was a sign of strength and a sign of influence. Whether it's uh, Rosa Parks or whether it's Sir Tom Moore or whether it's Joseph, these different examples I want to talk to you about the influences that take shape in my community and uh, it uh, all connects with chocolate and um, uh, I don't know if you are lovers of dairy milk or not but where I live in Bourneville uh, the chocolate factory here which has been just been encouraged in recent days with uh, uh, another opportunity to make more chocolate um, but I want to tell you briefly about the influence of the story of the Cadbury family. 
Uh, if you can go to the next slide, please, that would be great. It's about Richard and George Cadbury. In fact, if you go onto Amazon, you can look at the book here, uh, which is a tale of two brothers and a chocolate factory. Back in the 19th century, there was this vision not only to make chocolate. I don't know whether you've ever been to Cadbury when, you know, you're not far off in Alton, so I'm sure some of you have visited the Cadbury factory and done that, I don't know, pretty debatable tour. It's not always that good, I don't think. But uh, the vision behind the Cadbury family was so profound. They were Quakers, so they had a Quaker spirituality. And they wanted not only to manufacture chocolate, but to create what they understood to be a model village out of Birmingham slightly, uh, so that those who worked in the factory were not only people who were employed, but the Cadbury's looked upon them with a holistic sense that their life and work would be cared for. It's not just that they're working for the good of the chocolate factory, but that the chocolate factory was created in such a way that workers were cared for, supported, and their lives enriched. And this was the influence they wanted to have, to build this model village in South Birmingham. They were people of faith, and they were people about fitness. So what I mean by that is that in the chocolate factory, the workers had um, on, on the factory floor had bicycles, which they could use at lunchtime to go and have a bike ride. And that would give them energy and away from the chocolate factory to be able to give them a sort of sense of life and worth and get out into the countryside and then come back and then be at work again. Faith and fitness for the Cadbury family was important. And so for the workers, they said, we want you to work, we want you to be productive, but we also want you to be healthy. And we want you to be people that are valued in that way. And they also created a pavilion. And that's the picture that you see on screen right now with a, a lake in front of it. And there's a pavilion there. The image of the church I showed you at the very beginning is that image on the screen there um, at Roheath Pavilion. The factory was half a mile away and they bought land and they created a pavilion. So on Sundays, they had a band stand and a band playing and people would use the pavilion for leisure and enjoyment. And there was a swimming pool created and there were tennis courts, as you can see. And the Cabris had this vision that the model village would be about work and play. Um, uh, so enjoyment and leisure was part of the vision of the Cadbury family. The way they wanted to influence society was to make sure people were valued in the whole of their lives. So the, the tennis uh, court picture is actually quite um, pioneering because back in the 19th century, they wanted women to be as valued as men in terms of the opportunities for employment and sport. Uh, and so women were playing tennis or part of the pavilion leisure uh, and the factory. And there was a, a desire for equality back in the day when women couldn't even vote. So the Cabris were a people of passion, faith 
and commitment to influence society. Yes, they were committed to chocolate, but chocolate with a conscience. We may say today that's not the case, but uh, I'll leave that for another debate. But if we go on to the next slide, um, what you'll see is that this is just something we have here in the church about the development of the way in which, which this pavilion was created in the early 20th century. And it was a place where people flourished. Don't have rose-tinted spectacles here. There were also challenges along the way, but people flourished under the guidance of the influence of a Quaker spirituality where people's lives were considered to be of value both spiritually, emotionally, socially, and physically. But after the Second World War, um, and the next slide, please, uh, the, the building uh, began to be less used as the Lido, the swimming pool was closed and sport was reduced and land started to be sold by the local council and there was a change of management. And what happened in the 60s, 70s and 80s and into the 90s is that the vision of influence from the Cabri family began to lose um, significance in the local community. And as a consequence, uh, a Christian spirituality of Quakerism also began to be lost. And then the next slide, um, what happened is that a small group of Christians who were meeting in somebody's home uh, and there were a church that was being planted they were reading scripture, they were breaking bread together in, in the living room of someone's home in, in Bourneville. And they had this vision of God to say, what happens if we inhabit the pavilion at Roe Heath? Uh, we're only less than 10 in number. It's a big building. There was a glorious past, but it seems to have been lost in terms of what it offered the community. But we have a vision, a passion to inhabit the space but also to seek to bless the community and to reignite it to its original purpose, but with Jesus at the heart. Uh, an evangelical, if you like, spirituality, where Jesus is at the centre of community and as Christians seeking to bless the community and re, uh, re revitalise, renew the Cabri vision. So a few Christians began, talked to the council and talked to Bourneville Village Trust and said, can we worship in Roheath? It's a pretty awful building. It seems to be derelict and disused and people don't seem to be using it much and it's being vandalised, but we will inhabit it. It's not a safe place. It seems to have lots of struggle and issues, but we believe God's calling us to be here. And the local council and BBT said, yes, please use it. But our one request is that you use it not for your own gain, but to bless the community that you belong to. The church said, that's our vision, too. So we want to do that as well. And they opened a, a, a cafe in the building and then a playground, got some funding for a playground. And then there was other developments of the building, a lick of paint here and, a, you know, sorting out stuff there. And the church started to inhabit it, not just for Sunday, but throughout the week and not for its own gain, but for the blessing of the community. 
And so lots of different community groups started to use the building. People started to invest into the, uh, the area around. And a new charity emerged, which was different and distinct from the church, um, but saw the budget uh, and the employment of people but it had the values that were aligned to the church's values where Christ is at the heart, but a value of generosity to the community, of blessing to the community. Um, so right now where Jesus is at the centre, what's happening is that we have uh, rugby clubs that meet here and we have um, uh, a number of football teams and we have uh, running clubs and the centre is now being used where over 2,000 people meet here week by week prior to the pandemic. And the church is only about 100, but it oversees the sports facilities and it actually is building on the Cadbury legacy, but with Jesus at the centre. We had a new logo produced a couple of years ago, which is this logo you see, which isn't a full circle, it's not a complete community in that sense, but it's an open community for a way in and a way out. It's a, a porous community. Many people use the facilities here. There's a cafe, there's now a bar to support the sports users after they've played football or rugby or gone running so they can enjoy a pint. And the church is here too, but some people wouldn't recognize there's a church here um, because there are so many things happening and the church is sort of more ingrained into the life of the community it doesn't dominate the space it is one that sits alongside people so the next picture um, again another sunny picture of Bourneville we have street food festivals here now and um, we could do beer and hymns and other things but people come here and they share in the life of this place basically what we're about is a people that have a passion for place now, I know you meet at Langley School and I love the idea of base camp as you go out into different places. We have a theology, sort of thinking about God in the place of what it means to for people to share space and to radiate something of the love of Jesus within it. I love this verse. It's actually my favourite verse of scripture, one of them. We love you so much that we're delighted to share not only the gospel, but our very lives as well which is this holistic sense of living together and breathing the gospel of Jesus in that place. One of the things that I really am fascinated is in sport and spirituality and uh, did some research in, among the sports teams in Roheath Pavilion and asked them about how they find value in life and sports. And many said we find value in terms of social connection we've got friendships through sport through a psychological aspect we find our mental health is really helped through sport uh, we uh, find it physically you know we're getting fitter or we're just you know enjoying being in the outdoors in the leisure of Roheath but there's something spiritual about sport too we celebrate life together we celebrate ups and downs we mark each other's occasions in terms of birthdays or a personal best on the running track or you know if you've scored a goal or um, whatever it may be we celebrate life and there's something spiritual so I wonder if people in sport and leisure are supported spiritually socially um, psychologically physically physically 
my question is if people are benefiting in that way what is the good news to a people that seem to enjoy life to the full <laughs> and i'm trying to lead the church into thinking how do we connect with the sport and ledger community of which we're a part how are we influencing people about the good news of Jesus when they seem to be benefiting in life's other ways. And that's a real journey for us to learn and discuss what that means. Some people thought, oh, it means, you know, going over on a Sunday morning when you've got football matches happening around us as we worship Jesus in the church, uh, going over to give a tract. Personally, that wasn't my kind of thing. <laughs> I said, well, why don't we do something slightly different? And um, what we do now is that in the cafe, which was closed on a Sunday, we actually opened it up on a Sunday and said we want as a church to give free tea and coffee for everybody on the sideline watching their son or daughter play football so that whilst we're worshipping Jesus, people can get a free tea and coffee. And we stopped having tea and coffee for ourselves. Instead, we gave our tea and coffee to those on the sideline. And people would say, why are you doing that? That, that seems crazy. You're not making money and it's why are you giving this for free? And it would just open up conversations and those conversations have flowed and we're, you know, we're talking and getting alongside people. That's a small example of influence of what it means to be salt and light in our locality. There are other ways too. And um, all the while we're trying to discuss what it means to think about our local community and being influences within it. So at the moment, I'm in conversation with an organisation called Kick. I don't know whether you know it, but Kick go into secondary schools and primary schools and they serve and support those schools with sport and with coaching and with education. And there is a spiritual element to it as well, though it's not in, there, in, in your face. It's about serving and supporting people in sport and education. And we're looking at ways in which we might partner with that organisation. And at Langley School, I don't know whether you've heard about Kick, but it would be a great thing to learn and, and to listen and to think about how you as a church might integrate into Langley School in ever increasing ways. Of course, there are other ways in which you can do that too. But my heart's desire is that the church is sent. That's why I think it's so good what you're doing in terms of base camp. And the church is salt and light. But there's something about enjoying what it means to be sent, enjoying what it means to share life with others. So often I think that mission becomes can come across as being something heavy laden upon us and a bit of a burden, uh, maybe even a bit of a pressure or a stress. I mean, I have sort of seen your website. And I love the phrase that you use. We're not here about getting the church to become bigger, but we are here about sharing the message of Jesus. And sharing the message of Jesus isn't something that should pressure us. It's something that we should delight in and enjoy. And it should become a natural part of who we are as we, as we share our life and the gospel together because of the vision of love. And Joseph was a great influencer. He influenced in adversity as well as in privilege. And whether we're going through life's trials and troubles or we're actually okay we're still called to be people who express the gospel in life because of our love for the other the question why are you so sad is a great great question to ask our community right now but the answer to that is that we enter into lives in a way that we can hear and listen well to others and learn to love and radiate something of jesus 
that's the Cadbury story that we're trying to seek to reimagine and renew for our day today. So uh, whenever you eat a bar of chocolate, maybe remember this talk and uh, maybe uh, encouraged uh, there in Alton and in Shirley and in wider afield as you as a church seek to be people of influence of the gospel of Jesus uh, in the, these days. So I've left a couple of questions for you as well. How do people in the local community describe Alton? What is the church known for? And that's a, obviously a community question, not simply an individual question. Uh, that's a question we ask here at Row Heath about ourselves. How, do the, how does the community view us? Sometimes that might be with a little bit of suspicion or distrust or just the unknown. For others, it may be really positive and, uh, and encouraging. And another question, how is shared space both a blessing and a restriction in sharing the gospel? You're in a secondary school and no doubt there has been many conversations about what it means to be in that place. Uh, I guess some of you may be thinking, oh, we could be in that somewhere else or others of you saying, no, we want to remain here. But whatever the outcome, it's about what does it mean to share space and be a blessing in light of that? And then two questions that are perhaps more personal to you. What do you most enjoy doing? Who do you like to connect with? In what way can the gospel of Jesus be shared in this space? I believe that mission and evangelism is about actually, yes, crossing out into different boundaries and cultures and communities, but it's actually about embracing what you enjoy and being uh, wholeheartedly uh, sharing the gospel in that context. And then when life is tough for you, how do you continue to influence for good? Someone put it this way, we're all like a bit of a, a glass of water and if that glass of water if it gets knocked by our elbow and goes over, we either pour out uh, sort of a, a water of, of, of blessing and of goodness and of kindness and of generosity, even though we're being poured out and, and that can be very costly. We can pour out in good ways or we can pour out in negative ways. Influence happens in both good and bad ways but how, even when we face life's difficulties, how do we still have uh, God strengthen us to ask the questions of others to reach out as Joseph reached out? So I want to leave you with those and uh, thank you for yeah, listening to that and really blessed to be a part of your church today. Um, so, so thank you so much. May, may God have touched you and, and spoken to you, I pray. Uh, and that song um, that was said, uh, shared at the beginning, um, is a favourite of mine, Waiting Here For You by um, Matt Maher. And uh, I, in my walks through lockdown one, often listen to that song, praying that that will be a blessing to you too.